All-Around Joe podcast, we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement chunky. On this edition of the All-Around Joe podcast, I have the privilege of speaking with Sam Pogue of True Coach. True Coach is a really cool company that allows trainers and coaches like myself to easily be able to program, write programs, have videos integrated for their clients. It's an amazing company that a lot of high-level trainers and coaches are using. Sam has also been the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Onnit. All right, if you haven't heard of Onnit, O-N-N-I-T, check them out because they are one of the leaders in the supplement industry as well as information for, gosh, performance, sports, all of that fun stuff. So in this podcast, I get to talk with Sam about all kinds of stuff as it relates to True Coach on it, his program, his training, all of that fun stuff. So without further ado, let's jump right in. This is Sam Pogue of True Coach. Hey, Sam, how you doing today, man? What's up, brother? How you doing today? I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited to dive in and uh, see what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to, happy to help support your audience and, and share some wisdom and help people get better. Cool, man. Let's do it. Um, so the first thing I always ask people is I want to know like who you are, where you came from, how you got to where you are today. You know, like literally, where'd you grow up? What kind of things did you learn when you were growing up? Was there anything that stood out as far as mentors or parental figures? Because you've been a pretty successful dude. So I think that knowing those particular things that came out as you were growing up um, or didn't come out and you had to learn afterward is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I guess hopefully you guys are ready for the story. Uh, so thankfully I've done it enough. And uh, so I was born in South Korea uh, and I was born about three months premature-ish is what they estimate. Uh, I was abandoned, uh, lived in an orphanage for my first eight months of life before being adopted to the States uh, where my mom, Mary and Steve adopted me. Uh, and I have great, amazing uh, parents, actually both Caucasian. Uh, so I grew up in like rural Washington, in Kelso, Washington, of all places, really? which is about an hour north of Portland and about two and a half, three hours south of Seattle on the I-5 corridor. Very blue collar town, you know, uh, guns in your truck and lifted trucks going out wheeling kind of shit. Uh, so not a ton of diversity. I'm guessing, I'm sure you guys can all attain from that. And so I grew up and went to Kelso High School and then I went to college at the University of Portland. You know, growing up, I played baseball and tennis and did Taekwondo for a little bit. Um, was always pretty undersized as an athlete, you know, as a late bloomer and, and uh, was athletic enough to make teams, but never uh, the star by any means. Um, so I was just kind of long for the ride, which is cool. And so uh, ended up going to college, didn't go play any sports, uh, was just an entrepreneurship business major. Uh, I got into crew team, which was a fun, you know, uh, hobby during school. And so that was a sport that I had never had any exposure to. And, um, but it was a fun way to meet people and, and have a different perspective and see the world differently, uh, by doing an entirely new sport, uh, that was so team dependent, right? So in baseball, you can have a bad day and the team can cover for you, but in rowing, everybody has to be rowing at the same speed at the same pace, the or entering the water at the same time. So one guy being off or having a bad day really affects the end result of the boat. And so that was a really interesting thing, much in the same, like if one guy was sick and couldn't go to practice, the boat couldn't just go row. Like you can't just go magically row with three people like you could four people. So that means the team's not going out. So it really made you heavily uh, resilient towards the team aspect and, and building that out together. 
Um, and so that was a really fun thing uh, just to experience. But, uh, you know, in college, I was more concerned about doing 12 ounce curls than I was doing 12 pound curls or whatever, right? I'm just using yeah. a shitty metaphor. Uh, but like not, you know, I wasn't here to like go to, I wasn't into fitness. Like I worked out because it was fun to go get a bro pump every once in a while, some bench press and some pec deck and some curls, <laughs> right? But nothing, nothing remotely close to what fitness is now, nor would I let myself do that style of training in that, you know, now, uh, not that the exercises were bad, but my technique and whatever. So, uh, you know, really got into just party and hanging out, uh, enjoying the college experience. And, you know, I'm a pretty confident, uh, type a narcissistic douchey personality as is. So coming out of school and I went to like a private Catholic college, it's a good school. And so I was like very pompous about like what I could do and others couldn't do. Um, and, uh, in 2008, for those of you who are old enough to know, uh, there was a massive recession and there were not a lot of jobs for people, especially brand new grads with not really any real work experience. You know, my goal going through college was to work in every industry. So I've worked in manufacturing, restaurants, retail, nonprofits, sports marketing. And that was before I even got out of school. And so then coming out of school, I've got a degree and I'm like, oh shit, I've done more than all of you. Like I should have jobs lining up for me. And I didn't. And so I only work in fitness today because I finished school and took a job selling memberships at 24 hour fitness in 2008. Cause I couldn't find another job. And so I was selling memberships out of 24 hour fitness um, and hated every minute of it. Uh, I mean, it was like, my boss was a couple years younger than me. Didn't go to college was trying to tell me how the world worked. And I'm like, bro, in no scenario is this ever a situation where you should ever be telling me what to do kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was a cocky asshole. Right. And that doesn't mean that I wasn't right. Like, but at the same time, like time to go pay your dues, time to get knocked down a notch. And so, uh, you know, at that point I was like, all right, well, at least it's a job. It's not the job, but it's a job. So I might as well take it for what it's worth and learn something from it. So I was like, well, at least I'm in the bougie area of town for the gym. So there's a lot of great networking to be done. You know, I'm signing up memberships for people who just moved here and work at Nike and Adidas and Wyden and Kennedy and all these amazing jobs. And so I was like, okay, I'm meeting some relevant people, right? Which was good. And then, you know, we were a heavy phone sales kind of business at the time. It was, you know, how many set up, make a hundred calls, set 15 appointments, two people come in, you close one of them. Right. And that kind of gets you on the board and starts you getting you going. And I was like, that's a really inefficient process, right. For me to do it that way. So I just kind of did it my own way. And, uh, you know, I really kind of leveraged the trainers where it's like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with them and learn about fitness first. I got to learn what I'm talking about. Like I knew what I was talking about in a sales aspect, given the tools they had, but I really couldn't turn it over to the next evolution. So, um, started hanging out with the trainers and getting to know their clients and, and learning about training sessions and, and learning about just watching how to execute a session in general. And so it turned into like all those members would bring me their friends to sign up. And then, you know, I, it allowed me the opportunity to be able to grow um, in a really safe space because I wasn't doing it their way. I was doing it my way and things were going okay. Well, in addition to that, I also got into like powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting and strongman competitions. And so that was like my first lens of real fitness, learning how to squat, deadlift, bench press, uh, going through starting strength with Mark Ripito, um, going through 531 from Jim Wendler, um, going through Joe DeFranco stuff, Smitty Diesel stuff, Jay Ferrugia stuff, you know, and really kind of going through that lens of training and strength-based performance-based training, which I really enjoyed at the time because 
once again, my little narcissism coming through is like, if you're going to tell me you squat 400 pounds, like it better be like your butt better touch the floor, like the crease of your hip better go below the crest of your knee. So don't make claims you can't back up, right? If you're going to tell me you squat 400, don't do a, a, you know, a knee bend, like show me that you can execute, right? With perfect technique. And so not only did I, I get uh, spent time in the strength realm, but also like very particular about how form was done. Like I didn't like, you know what I mean? I was always kind of a little bit of a form Nazi. And typically the guy who in, in the, you know, the major box gym, who's the form Nazi is usually the tiny little skinny dude. Like, well, you should do it this way. And it's like, he's trying to talk to some meathead. Yeah. Right? So I noticed I was able to kind of blend that world a little bit where I was like, sure, I could be a technique Nazi, but I could also be like, look strong. Yeah. And so you know, this was like, it was all fine and dandy, like getting into lifting and, and it was fun. Like it was my hobby. Like I enjoyed fitness for what it was, what it was giving to me, mm-hmm. but I still had no desire to work in fitness, right? I didn't have an exercise science degree. I didn't come from that lens of fitness. I could, um, you know, talk enough about it to get by, but it wasn't my goal to be in fitness. So finally, after trying to get out of 24-hour fitness all this time, I finally got a quote-unquote big kid job, and I got into an action sports company called Slingshot, and they do kiteboarding, wakeboarding, stand-up paddleboarding, and uh, originally, I was they were kind of going to bring me on to do some marketing, because uh, a friend of mine was their director of marketing at the time, and then it turned into... Um, well, we can't really hire you for that small of a team because it's a small company that maybe you could do uh, sales. And I'm like, it's cool. Understand I can like sales are fine with me. I'm okay with it. Um, and building out this, this pipeline of, of opportunities and finding new wakeboard shops, people, distributors, et cetera. Um, understand that I can wakeboard, but I don't go wakeboarding. Like I can get up and ride, but like I can, I eat shit incredibly well if I try to do anything other than just ride, right? <laughs> if I want you, want, you want me to jump the wake? Cool. I can't do that. Like not well. <laughs> Uh, not without just crushing my face in the water. Um, and so they're like, it's cool. You'll learn. And so it was like, you know, I spent the first two months just kind of getting my bearings straight, spent some time working in a warehouse, trying to learn the SKUs, trying to learn the terminology, right? I didn't come from that back. My parents didn't have a boat. So it's not like I grew up knowing about boats and wakeboarding and reading the waves and blah, blah, blah. Um, I was just knew how to kind of go through this and connect with people to be able to help initially get them what they wanted, which was X more boards at what price. And so uh, two months in, I actually got let go for not being a culture fit. Uh, And as they tell my friend later, it was for not being bro enough. Um, So I'm like, okay, all right. Two months in, I got, I got let go, which is the first time I've been cut or fired and I didn't really know what to do. Well, the commute I was making from Portland to hood river was about an hour and a half each way. Yeah. And uh, for about $27,000 a year. So it's not like I was making any money. I'm pretty sure my parents were still paying my gas um, trying to help me out. Like at least, but I had a kid, I got, I had a job quote unquote in an office. Right. Cause that's all I'm looking at is all my friends getting these analyst jobs and engineering jobs. And I'm like, fuck, I'm selling gym memberships. Uh, and then, you know, finally getting this thing. And then all of a sudden, yep. Fired. So I was like, Oh fuck, what do I do with myself? Sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the show. It's uh, all good. It's okay. All good. Okay. Cause if your audience isn't cool, then I'll cut it out. I just, that's how I talk. Um, so I drove back to 24 hour fitness where I was a member and then uh, was just going in to work out. And my old manager, Rusty uh, was like, dude, what are you doing here? I was like, Oh, I got fired today. He's like, Oh, I'll pay for your first cert. If you want to come back and become a trainer. And I was like two hours later. All right. That's pretty good. <laughs> right? Cause at least it gives me something until I figure out what else to do. And I was like, okay, there's a little bit of a ramp up time, but like, I don't have anything going anyway. So I might as well just do this until I find the next thing. 
And by this point in time, I had done a couple meet, a couple powerlifting meets and a strongman meet and an Olympic lifting meet. Uh, so I'd been around fitness quite a bit. I understand training. I understand how to create a response or create an adaptation towards a goal. Uh, but my lens was pretty small. I only had a really small lens of what fitness was, but it wasn't bad. It was just, that's the only thing I knew to attach value to. And so uh, right away, first month, I did 40 sessions my first month because I just put out like a Facebook post because Instagram wasn't there back then. And I had, you know, Sean and Sarah and who else? Eric jump on my schedule. And so 40 sessions for a brand new without getting fed from the membership team right away. Yeah. Second month, 80 sessions. Third month, 120 sessions. So from three months into just being a trainer, I was doing 120 sessions plus a month for the rest of my career. Right. And it wasn't because I was using the same strategies as everybody else was like going out and trying to hustle the floor. I was going out and trying to pull people from outside the gym in to come train with me. And so then I would hook the membership guy up. I would even let them take the first sale of training because I want them to feed me more. Right. They're the ones touching all the new business. I'm not the one touching all the new business. So I'm like, Hey man, Joe's going to buy a a 10 pack. And why don't you take that under you? Why don't you get the commission for it? And then, um, uh, and then let put him in my schedule for me. And they're like, Oh shit. Or this one guy, Roland, like he was a big bodybuilder. Right. So every time he gave me sessions from someone, I brought him lunch or I brought him some supplements. Right. And he was like, dude, he just fed me right when I needed it. Um, so the nice part was that I didn't need it a lot because I also coming from the membership side of the table, I knew how that game worked. Right. Because the goal for the membership team is to also sell training, right. Yeah, to increase total revenue for the club. And so we used to call it back at 24, a TO or timeout. And so it's very car salesy where like the membership guys like, Oh, let me go grab the trainer. So he can talk to you about what kind of goals you're trying to do. Miss uh, grandma Betty. And, uh, and so then it was like, Oh, and then I come over and kind of talk to grandma Betty and talk to her about her goals. And all of a sudden she's like, so she's so bought into training, right? So I can help the membership team out. And so, because training is a game where you're not going to train a full schedule. You're not going to train from 5am to 9pm straight through as a brand new trainer. Uh, and so you need to find something to do with that time. Yeah, sure. Working out's a part of it and, and going out and meeting people's a part of it, but you know, I already knew the game, right? So I'm like, I'm just going to play that. So between me going out and getting my own clients referrals and then kind of hanging out by the membership pit and slapping, slapping those up because there's an ups order, right? In the, in the box gym setting where it's like, okay, what trainers up, what, who, whose schedule are we trying to help get going? And if they're not there to be a part of that, and I'm the one who does the TO, it goes in my schedule, not that brand new trainer. I'm like, it's not my fault. They're not going to come play the game. I just, I just know the game. So, you know, started out and started out strong. Right. And so back then this was before the group fitness model. And so everything was just one-on-one sessions. And so this is like 2010 ish. And so, um, you know, I was, you know, at 24 back then the master trainer status where you got like the highest percentage of, of session rate, plus you got paid time off and, and accrued vacation, et cetera. Um, and charged, you know, $10 more an hour. I was there in 18 months. Right. And it takes most people 18 months just to get a full schedule, like a 30 hour a week schedule. And I'm like, I did that. You know, I was already at 2000 sessions, right. Three certs. Um, So I was like maxed out on what I could ever do. So they're trying to get me to go be a manager somewhere um, or like be a club manager somewhere. And I was like, I walk to work. I make my own schedule. I have zero turnover really. Like why would I want to go take shit from someone else? Which is, I look at it now, if I would have chased that rabbit for like accelerating my career in the management route, I probably wouldn't be here today. So mm-hmm. backtrack that. So I go train for a while and it's fun. And I'm like, I remember there was a day I did 15 one-on-ones in one day. And I'd Jeez. go from like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. straight through. And I got done. I was like, dude, you're 25 right now. How are you going to do that when you're like 35 with kids? Right. Yeah. And, I have to. and I was like, you got to get out. 
Like that's not, the, this isn't the future for you. Right. And I was debating at the time for a little bit because training was going well. Do I go get a batch, you know, another bachelor's in exercise science? Do I try to go to master's? Do I, what, what am I trying to do with fitness? Uh, and none of it was like, I don't really want to do it. And I, and I remember I was training the, uh, what was he, the uh, IT director, the CTO for Doc Martens, like the shoes back in the day. Yeah. Um, and he was like, bro, we should put some videos up of you on the iTunes store. And this is like when the iTunes store was brand new. And I was like, dude, nobody wants to see my ass squatting up and down. Like if I was Joe DeFranco, Smitty or Jay, who I followed really heavily at the time, then like, sure, people are going to want to see those videos, but like, no one's going to want to see my fat ass going up and down. Um, <laughs> now I wish I would have had, you know, a video on the iTunes store for a nickel because I'd have a nickel um, right. and it would have been for me, but you know, it's still like, it would have been a cool thing to say I would have done now, yeah. but I was like, all right, it's cool. Like, I don't really want to go down that route. Like, I didn't feel qualified to ever really be an influencer in fitness because I didn't go to school for it. Um, I came from 24-hour fitness. I wasn't in one of these, like, bougie boutique training facilities, which aren't as big as they are now. Now there's gyms everywhere. But at the time, CrossFit was just starting to come around. Mm -hmm. So the group fitness model wasn't really there. The boutique studios weren't really there. It was either private training gym or big box gym. And maybe there was a performance facility kind of around, uh, but the storytelling of fitness wasn't really there. And so I was like, all right, I need to get out. And so uh, I looked into like a number of different things. I, you know, I had an opportunity with Nike and then that fell through and then an opportunity with Red Bull and that fell through and then one of my coworkers at the training, uh, at the gym, his wife, Ashley, had started a recruiting agency or, or a, a headhunting agency. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, like I'm looking at like big commissions and opportunity to be number employee number seven and grow this business. And, you know, I went from getting like really no vacation to getting five weeks vacation and a 4% match in my 401k and full paid health benefits. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the office life, right? Snacks in the office and happy hours and shit. And I'm like, damn, all right. But uh, it was really almost a commission only job. So there wasn't a lot of money in it. So in order to take that life, I had to keep training. And so I took my business private and I left 24 and went privateer. And I would train every morning at 6 a.m., go to work from 8 to 5, train at 6 to 7 p.m. By this point in time, I was on a big networker. And so I was on two different nonprofits, uh, Portland Youth Builders and Children's Cancer Society. Uh, and then I played and ran an adult wood bat semi-pro baseball team. And then I still had a pretty involved friend and family schedule. And uh, it was, I did that for two and a half years, right? I was wow. and like, after training that 8 p.m. session, I'd be going out to dinner with someone, going to a meeting, going to a gala, going to drinks, going to whatever it was. Like I'd be out of my house at 4.35 a.m. and I'd come home around midnight every night. And I did that for about two years um, and I can crush. And so it's, it's something like, if anything, I have social bandwidth for days. Like I can push and I can redline longer than most people can ever, right? So fun fact, and, and this is a little backtracking, I failed out of college back in 2000, my sophomore year. And so my mom had had a brain aneurysm during school. And so I skipped all of dead week, the week before finals to like be with her. And then the week of finals, I pulled like four all-nighters in a row and uh, fell, fell asleep through my last one. And so fell asleep through my like social 101 final, which I wasn't doing well. And I, like I needed a good grade on my final to pass the class because I just never went. And then I failed my math final. And so I ended up failing two classes, got kicked out of school. And so to punish myself without telling anybody, I was working at a factory that made tubes, like the tubes between paper towels and toilet paper. 
Mm-hmm. And I'd go from, do that from 6 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And then I'd go bust tables at Woodmere, uh, the brewery, uh, from 6.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. And I did that all summer long. Uh, and then I had to like write a letter and show I had tenacity to get back into school, yada, yada. And so ended up getting back into school, still walked on time, did my whole thing. Uh, and I didn't come out and tell people that I failed out of college till much later. Uh, but definitely like if I need to, I can put my head down and just grind because that's my superpower to be able to do that. And so the same thing, like, you know, I can, I wasn't happy with where my career was going, but I was faking being happy with being busy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, look, I'm doing all these things. Like you should look at me in an awe that I'm doing all that's my ego, right? Look how much stuff I'm doing. I'm training clients. I'm at the startup. Like I'm on the board of this nonprofit. I'm hanging out with these guys. I'm out here. I'm doing all this stuff, but my career wasn't really going anywhere. And so my buddy, Nate and I, who we had reconnected after not hanging out for a while, uh, went to dinner and he was like, dude, you make me feel like shit. He's like, you uh, you have two jobs, you work with two different nonprofits, you play baseball for fun and you don't miss a weekend. If we all go somewhere together or have dinner together as a friend group or a family group. Right. Uh, and so he's like, well, what's the highlight of your day? And I sat there and I was like, fuck, I don't have a highlight. Like I can go through the motions. Mm-hmm. But when I sat down and really thought about that, I was like, yeah, there's no highlight of my day. I just kind of go. Right. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm from the Northwest. I've always wanted to move away from the Northwest. And to be honest, I didn't move to New York, which I, it was like my childhood thing. Like I'm going to go to college and get done. I'm going to go live in New York city, big city kid from the small town. Right. Uh, and cause my cousin was always like, Sam, you should move to New York. Uh, cause she did that whole like move around thing. And so it never happened. And so I stayed in Portland after school and uh, it's funny talking to my dad about this now. Sorry for the tangent, but uh, you know, I had a, a good offer to go to this small college in, in Lacey, Washington called St. Martin's where my mm-hmm. mom really wanted me to go to. And then I also had another offer to go to university of Portland where I ended up going in, in the city. And my mom wanted me to go to the small school. My dad wanted me to go to the big school and I had more money to go to the small school. Okay. And uh, later as my dad talked to me about it, he's like, look, if you would have gone to that small school, you would have gotten done with school and pieced out of here so fast. You would have not turned back to see what's here. Right. But Portland was a big enough city that had enough entertainment to keep you around. So that way we could see you more. Right. And so that baseball team I played on, they came down and visited all my games and they'd come down for dinner and hang out. Right. So I had a good, I have a good relationship with my folks. And so I'm like, that's so interesting as a father, like to look back on that and like, you could pinpoint that knowing like, now if you send him to this small spot, he's going to ditch and he's going to get out. Or we can let him go to the bigger spot that'll keep him around much longer. So I stayed in Portland a total of 10 years. Wow. Right? And that's only an hour from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went to my boss after this, after this dinner with Nate. I went to my boss and uh, I was talking to Joel, who's at the recruiting agency. And I said, Joel, look, man, I love working for you. I don't like this job, right? But it's also unfair because I give you about 10% of my day. I'm in the door at eight. I'm out the door at five. I do zero extra on the outside because I have all these other things going on. So I'm good enough to sustain, but I'm not good enough to really grow. So my solution is it's my time. I'll cut out all the other distractions. I won't be training. I won't be on the nonprofits. I won't do any of these other things. I'm just going to, let's just see if yeah. recruiting is, is what I need. Right. And maybe, maybe it works out well for both of us. Uh, and if it does, great. You got a better employee and I got to move away. And if it doesn't work, you need to stop wasting your money and I need to stop wasting. Sure. Time. Okay. So I expect him to either say yes or no. 
right? Kind of expecting no, because I wasn't like I was crushing, right? At this recruiting gig, I was just getting by. And he just goes, okay, tell me where you end up. And I was like, oh shit. Like I went on this whole song and dance about why I should move away and blah, blah, blah. I need to evolve and level up. And my safety net is he says no. And I just go back to training, right? right? Only private. And I would have been fine. Um, And I guess my ability to do this is that I don't have a fear of being unemployed. Right. Like I know I can always go get a job somewhere. So it doesn't really matter. So it allows me like, where am I going to learn the most skills and where am I going to level up the most and and how am I going to meet the best people, et cetera. So, you know, he says, okay, you can move. And I was debating between Chicago, New York, Boston, and Austin. Okay. And I only chose Austin, Texas because I moved in November of 2014 and it was going to be cold as hell in the other three cities. And I, and I was partying too much by this point in time, okay. uh, because I was out at all these dinners and drinks with people all the time. Like, so I was burning the candle on both ends, right. Working long hours and partying a lot and, um, not a good, not a good space for me to be in. And, and through that time, I also like broke my ankle and subluxed my shoulder. And so I was on crutches for a while, uh, getting fat and, and just partying too much. It was a dark place for me. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I chose Austin. And so I, you know, moved in November. So I packed whatever fit in my SUV and drove to Texas. And I'd been here once. I came to visit my friend Ashley uh, and her now husband, James, uh, back in 2010, right before I went to go work at the action sports company. I had like a, I had like a month between membership at 24 hour fitness and action sports. So I came to Austin for like two and a half weeks. Uh, And so when I came down, I I drove down and I lived with her and James, her husband and their triplet one-year-olds. And, uh, oh yeah, uh, very unique experience. Um, but my mom was a youth minister, so I've been around kids my whole life. So kids are easy. I don't mind changing a diaper, doing the thing. Um, but it was like three kids is a lot, uh, and flying home with them. Cause she's from the same town as I am almost. And so flying home for Christmas one year with teething one-year-olds, uh, I travel a lot. Like last year I flew 67 times and I feel so bad for people who fly with the children. Like I don't feel bad for a lot of people in the airport because I think people are idiots when they fly, but people with kids, I'm like, Oh God, I feel so bad for you. Like this is such a hard thing. Um, so moved to Texas and, uh, you know, why did I train? Well, it's because recruiting wasn't like a really big salary job. So I trained so that way I could like still live. Well, I took that element out. So I moved to Texas and just took that training, you know, or the, uh, recruiting revenue, which was either up and down based on if I had a commission from a big sale or not. So it was very ebb and flow. And so like, that was like, oof, that was tough. And so it was like, I was making my own house cleaners, uh, like really eating cheap, living cheap, um, trying to kind of make it. Well, I also, at this time, around the same time I announced I was moving to Texas, Joe DeFranco had announced he was partnering with this company called Onnit and moving his gym from New Jersey to, to Austin. Wow. And I was like, how serendipitous is this? Like one of my favorite coaches to follow all of a sudden is moving to the city that I'm moving to. Yeah. And so I was actually the very first member of the Onnit gym when it opened up on December 1st, 2014. And so I walked the doors and, and I'd been emailing for a couple months trying to like figure out what the membership deal was. And so finally John Wolf uh, got back to me and, and John's the chief fitness officer of on it oversees everything from product creation to education to the voices of who we are as a fitness company. And so, you know, being a brand new member and I worked out at like 10 AM. So I wasn't exactly um, like in the busy times. Right. So I never saw that element. So I'd go in and like, I'd be the only one in the gym for 
good couple months as they were kind of getting going. Now we have like 500 members. So it's pretty like, that's not existent anymore. Sure. Uh, but you know, five months in, uh, I ended up coming on to work it on it. Okay. Well, as John and I got to know each other for a while, you know, I knew immediately tr- like recruiting probably wasn't the route I was going to go. So I kind of was starting to look already about what options I had. So I was looking at doing territory sporting goods, like working for Rawlings or Louisville Slugger. I'm a big baseball fan. And so uh, trying to get in and be the guy that's at the fields working with the players, what kind of stuff do you want about your gloves? Like, you know, whatever. And uh, so that's the route I was trying to get to, because I thought that would be dope to be at baseball games and hanging out with players, right? Because as a kid, like I wanted to be a, uh, as a player, and then I figured out I wasn't going to be a player, and I wanted to be an agent or a general manager, like a front office guy. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, pretty wild that like, um, I'll get into it now, but now I train major league baseball players, right? Which is kind of unique. And so, um, you know, got in on it and, and, uh, you know, both the jobs, like for the territory sales, they were trying to get me to move to like Corpus Christi or Dallas or El Paso, just areas that weren't Austin. And so then it finally turned into a conversation with John about what would it look like if I came on to work here. And, you know, it's funny, my very first proposal to coming on to work, I was like, let me travel the world and teach people about on it and, and hopefully bring in these large wins and partnerships. And he was like, ah, oh, we're not there yet. So that's probably like, we need to find something else. And it's funny because that's what my job morphed into right? yeah. at the end of my time at Onnit. And so I was like, well, you know, as we talked more, like I had a really successful personal training business, you know, something that most trainers will never say they got to do. Like I was selling a hundred thousand dollars out of, um, at 65 bucks a session, right? Like it, crushing some sessions. Yeah. And now it's like they have group fitness. So it helps a little bit more to hit those numbers, but you know, with this, there's like a 75% attrition rate with trainers within the first three months. Oh yeah. Hard to get this business up and going. I was like, it's not that hard. Right. But you got to stop playing that game. You got to come play this game. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, so I came on board to, uh, work and oversee like the education team from an operations setup. So on it and just kind of launched their own seminars. And I wasn't like this well-networked fitness personality or anything. And nor was I probably that good of a trainer. Like I was good in what I did, but I didn't have any other outlets or any other knowledge outside of my solitary space, which was powerlifting and hard style kettlebells, right? That's an Olympic lifting. Those were the only three things I really knew and not even that well. Um, because if we want to get deep into talking about, you know, naming insertion points and palpating and, and, you know, what moves and what does like, from a biomechanics standpoint, like I'll lose, like that's not my lens of fitness. Like I'm a good coach, but like, if we need to get deep, I only want to go to my level of knowledge and then I'll pass you over to one of my friends. I'm like, go talk to them. They're way smarter. They'll validate what I say, but I can't give it to you the way that you want to hear it. If you want to hear it in anatomical terminology, Uh, it's just not my space. And so uh, he was like, okay. So it worked out to where I was able to come on and help oversee the education system and everything from um, helping organize the seminars to certificates and shirts and where we, where we host the next one at, when the next one was, who was teaching at the time. Uh, and it was, you know, a really good opportunity for me to step into an office environment with a fitness style background, right. Or in a fitness setting. And, you know, to be honest, like I just came from phone sales. So, and I knew nothing of on it. Like I didn't know what alpha brain was. I didn't know what clubs or maces or any of these things did. He, yeah. All I knew was to Franco's right. And that he was there as well. And so um, when I first started, I was like, all right, you got about 300 people through the seminars now that have come through the education system in the five months it's been going. Uh, I'm just going to call as many people as I can to learn about what they liked, what they not like, how they get their start. Tell me about their training business. How can I give you some insight? Because if we're looking at it, if I can help you improve your fitness business, 
that's going to allow you to install a wholesale program or an affiliate marketing program, or if we were going to do the franchise route, earn that opportunity to be a franchiser, right? Or just improve their systems because most people don't need fancy business systems. They need to go out and get some clients. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then once they can get some clients, now they can have to worry about scaling, right? It's good to worry, look at scaling early in if you can, but for the most part, people are still getting like 5, 6 a.m., noon, 3, 4, 5 p.m. I'm like, oh my gosh, that schedule is going to crush you or you're not going to make enough money to be happy. And so they're like, oh, okay. Um, so it was, it was a nice way to kind of get in. And I'm not the best electronic communicator. So I'm like, look, if I'm at the seminars, like it'll be a much different relationship than if they're only hearing from me from email. So okay. I would help check people in and I would just help out. And like at the time it was, Hey, this person can't see, maybe you can help, you know, get them some more information. If we're in the room at the seminar itself, right. Yeah. Just kind of helping like, Oh, this person didn't hear, they have a question and it wasn't to teach. It wasn't to be involved at all on that, in that front. And then I went to every course that on it had and or hosted for a good two and a half years and, it, you know, slowly leveling myself up and hearing, you know, the same course over and over and over obviously reiterates that information. Um, but finally getting to the point where I was starting to help teach, like from a tertiary setting, like just floating around, helping with the form um, and being able to help guide people into maybe what was said or articulate. Maybe they didn't hear it the way that, you know, that resonates with them. And so I was able to contextualize and tell people because the nice thing was like on it's like this unique, unconventional, you know, unique equipment and kind of... Um, risque uh, uh, ways of explaining why we should do things. We were not wrong, but at the time, like to certain audiences, that's going to challenge their belief system. And I came from that belief system. I came from where strength is king, right? How much can you move? How fast can you move it? Right. The powerlifting strongman, you know, Olympic world. And so I was able to bridge that gap kind of early in. Okay. And so started teaching and all of a sudden, you know, flash forward, like three years later, I led my first one. And so oh. it was like, oh, that's kind of wild to like, you know, I've been helping with every single seminar we'd had, but then stepping in the front of the room to where I led the whole thing by myself. And that was a unique uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, and I'd been teaching, you know, workshops, three, four hour workshops, or I'd lead an event or I do a lot of speaking. Uh, so I do those things, but a two day, 10 hour a day seminar is a lot with 35 people is a lot to do because, you know, you got to know that just so you guys know, if you guys ever want to teach workshops and, and or be in the front of the room, your jokes are going to fall on their face sometimes. And you just have to keep rolling. Like if you need that laughter to think like, you just kind of got to go with it. Like, okay, you guys didn't get that pop culture reference. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> and so it's hard to keep people's attention for two days. And, and you have people in the room that are physical therapists and orthopedics and professional athletes and people who are brand new trainers and people who've never been a trainer. They're there for themselves. So you got to make sure your information touches Grandma Betty, who's just there to learn for herself, and Dr. Russin, who's there to, to evaluate who we are as an education system and see if he like lines up with us. Yeah. Right? And so like that's a unique skill in itself. And so the nice thing was over the last three years of my time on it, it had been not only did we have seven of our own courses that we taught, but we also brought in other influencers to teach their education out of our space because we have this big immaculate gym here in Austin. And so it allowed me to network and connect with a lot of different coaches from Mike Fitch from Animal Flow, uh, Jarlo Alano, Ryan Hurst from Gold Medal Bodies, Perry Nicholson, Christian Thibodeau, um, you know, Quinn Hennick, you know, so all these different large personalities kind of coming through all of a sudden, like I had a network because I was the point of contact, right? right? FRC, um, Andrea Arspina, that whole crew. And then it turned into, um, I started traveling, going to like the NSCA conferences and working the booth and then meeting more strength coaches and meeting more uh, performance coaches. So I kind of was starting to spend time in like the education sector, 
the performance sector. And then, but I come from like the, I didn't come from fitness realm. So I can still kind of relate to like the Instagram trainer or like the brand new trainer that really doesn't have the same legs under them as like Joe Ken, the Carolina Panther strength coach. Sure. Right? It doesn't mean that they're both wrong. It just means they're touching different audiences. Right. But I come from this realm. So people are going to buy into it a little bit better than if I came from the performance realm and all I was doing with professional athletes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not to be self um, uh, promoting, but like coming from nothing right. To be able to build this into. So it slowly turned into like helping operationally with the gym and, and the education system to now traveling and starting to bring in partnerships with my partner, Sayla, who's the reason why we're successful. And so Sayla and I would travel and go to these conferences and just meeting all these people. And then it turned into starting to bring in partnerships to on it. So Exos, the largest provider of sports performance and registered dietitians and corporate wellness. Um, we became their official nutrition partner. Uh, Gold's Gym carries six of our products across 150 locations. Equinox is getting ready to do some stuff with us. Um, UCLA Football is getting ready to do some stuff. So being in that space to where I was like starting to put together and Salem and I were starting to put together some big deals that brought in some serious value to Onnit. But I'm also teaching education to Onnit. And then, I'm, then I start working with Jake Arietta who's uh, you know, former Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion with the Cubs. Uh, mm-hmm. And then him and I are starting to work together every day now. And then all of a sudden I start getting this baseball following, working with guys like Jan Gomes and Brandon Geyer, um, you know, regularly chatting with other MLB guys, which is great, uh, which is really cool for me personally to now be in a spot where, you know, someone who loved baseball to now all of a sudden, like having MLB players hit you up, like sometimes it's a little surreal, uh, to be honest, right? Like Jake's become one of my best friends and, uh, you know, we spend time together training and we also hang out and it was like, oh my gosh, like sometimes, and I tell him this, I'm like, sometimes I have to like stop and like really think about what I get to do right now. Yeah. Right. Cause all my buddies back home are like freaking the fuck out about, <laughs> you know, what I get to do every day. And so, you know, as I'm kind of going through, I, you know, I've got all these different elements of my job. I'm bringing in partnerships, training athletes, teaching education, you know, traveling all over the world. You know, I flew 67 times last year um, to pretty much every conference or seminar or different event that I could um, and just building this global network. Well, then all of a sudden I get an email from my now uh, new boss, Casey Jenks, who's the founder of, at the time it was called Fitbot. Now it's called True Coach, which is an mm-hmm. online training software um, for individualized programming for coaches working remotely to, hey man, we're looking for someone that has a big network in fitness that can talk training, can talk business and can be on camera, right? And all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's me, right? And so it morphed into this opportunity to where a great enough picture and I love on it and on it will forever be a part of my story. Yep. Uh, but now I'm able to go from being, you know, um, in on it and working in partnerships and I've been, um, starting my own thing, right. Just doing the podcast and content and being in that space more to now I'm stepping in to be the VP of brand at true coach, uh, and overseeing a content and brand strategy for this new business. That's, you know, yes, we're young, but we've also got, um, we, you know, we're doing pretty well. We've got over 5,000 users on the platform. We just went, th- went through our first round of funding, um, you know, and so to get involved with a tech company, right. And, and which is funny now, cause I was doing a tech recruiting, right. So the guys get a kick out of it. Like even though I'm a meathead trainer, but like I come from that realm so I can speak their language enough to connect with them about understanding languages and, and apps and process for the technology. And uh, so now it's this unique position to where I get to step in and now I get to execute what my vision is. Right. And I get to help build true coach into this collaborative community uh, that I've been trying to build through Fitness Breakroom, which is my podcast. And I was like, oh, now I get to do it for someone else and I can yeah. do it. But it's still, I get to do it with my vision, 
but I get to do it for our community. Like it would have taken me a long time to get fitness break room to where true coaches now. So now I can execute that strategy with them um, and still doing the fitness break room podcast from myself. But now I'm a hundred percent can, you know, focused around building true coach and, and growing us from a nine person company to however big that we get. Um, but, but trying to watch us take off and whether it's through partnerships or branding or content, uh, all of it matters, but uh, really excited to watch this evolution. And it's all, it's funny now to look back and like, wow, all this time I was just building skills and going through some shit, right? Got some punches in the jaw for sure. But now it's like a step into a role. I'm 32 into an executive leadership role mm-hmm. with a tech fitness tech company, right? Fitness tech is where the market's going for sure. Yep. And, uh, it's like, oh, wow, all those lessons I've learned throughout the time. At the time, it sucked. I felt like I should have been further along in my career. But now that I step into this role, I'm like right where my career should be. Um, you know, it's, and it's hard because my college, as I talked about it earlier, super com- not competitive, like we're not Harvard or Georgetown by any means. But like we have kids doing some really cool shit. Like Becky oversees all of retail planning for Nike. And Doug went to, got his master's in aeronautical engineering and his MBA from Harvard and now is the general manager of a healthcare system. And Tom has researched for Procter Gamble. And right. So we have people in our class doing some pretty fucking cool shit. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, so I felt that's why, like I had so much drive to my career because I'm watching all these other people do these things I couldn't do. And I had to reinvent myself a few times. And so it was kind of unique to now be able to step in this time feeling about this new job, stepping into this new position where, oh, wow, all of that, all the training, you know, cause you look at catching a break, right? Everybody's like, I just need to catch a break and I'm there. Right. Break number one for me, got adopted to an amazing family. Didn't mm-hmm. grow up in the fucking streets of Korea. Like that's a pretty big break, yeah. right? Break number two, graduated during a recession and happened to find myself in fitness, right? And so that's the only reason why I'm in fitness in general. But now, you know, I didn't have a traditional marketing background. I haven't worked in like the marketing vertical of any company, but I've been doing marketing for a specific audience, but now I can step into an executive role and lead a brand and a vision because I've already got that experience. It just didn't come from a traditional setting. Sure. And so as we look at, we reflect back in our lives, we realize now I'm like, wow, your twenties, you know, not that I'm old by any means, but we start looking at like, Oh, what were all those crappy lessons meant to teach us? And now where we get to step into the next evolution of who we are as humans and what we can offer the world to be the best citizens of the world that we can. And how can we use what we've learned to help better other people's lives and help them along with their journeys? So Absolutely. that's the uh, rundown of my story. Um, told it a few times, so I've got a little bit of it down, but um, yeah, hopefully that's a good insight as to who I am and why I'm in, in this position. That was fantastic. And the thing that stood out for me the most is that you almost seem like your whole life you've been, I don't know if the right word is malleable, but like you're moving with the flow or like what comes to you. Would you say that you had any, like, did you force that? Did you, would it feel like it was a flow? Because I'm thinking that people that are watching or listening to this could take or try and learn from this superpower or um, flow that you've come across and put it into their lives. Cause people just get stuck in a spot totally. and they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So how have you gone like that? Good question. So I think a lot of people, I'm an, like the most non-planner person ever. Right. Like I'm the type that looks at the world going, shit's going to get fucked up anyway. So I might as well not plan for it. I'll just plan that it's going to get messed up. And I know how to be agile enough to react. Okay. So for me, that's always a good skill set in that like being reactive has always served me because I just trust my gut. My gut's typically right. 
And so, and most people's are right. Like our intuition is usually pretty solid. Like, um, you know, should I do that? Yes or no. I say yes, but then I end up saying no, but you know, in your gut, you should have done it. Right. We've all had those moments. I should have kissed her. I should have done X or I should have done this, or I should have gone for whatever. And so part of my success has been willing to look at the world, like, all right, I'm just going to take this for a while, learn from it. And then I'll reevaluate. So I think we're getting so caught up and I was the same way too, that I wanted to achieve climb the corporate ladder, achieve X, make this much money, live in this type of place. Not because I needed those to validate myself, but because those are the check marks to where I can kind of see where I'm doing and how my career is escalating. Right. And so being willing to not like, all right, I want to be married by this point in time. I need to be at this point in spot in my life. I need to be doing this and trying to hit all these check marks. Like it's not going to go that way for anybody. So I'm like, well, if I just don't plan on it and just kind of react, right, it's going to lead me down a path to, develop skills and probably put me in the best path possible, right? Because as I said earlier, what happens if I take that management job in 24 hour fitness when I first get going, right? right? We might be sitting here and we're not on this podcast because I'm a club manager at some 24 hour fitness, not the former director of strategic partnerships on it or the VP of brand, a true coach doing something unique and new. I'm doing the same rat race that everybody else is doing. And maybe I'm at Equinox or Lifetime or whatever else now, but I probably don't make that next step because I was willing to not, all right, that's not the future that I want. Like, I don't even want to be in this business. So let me just ride this out for a little bit and see what comes down the pipe. I guess the difference is I have a, I'm not um, risk adverse, right? I'm 32 and single. And so it makes it really easy for me to pick up and move or travel because I don't have anybody else to be accountable to. Sure. Right. So even this job with true coach, it could have been, and it was an amazing offer to come on and do it, but let's say I've got a wife and two kids that are in school and they love it here in Austin and they got friends. Well, sure, it's a great move for me, but it's not a good move for my family. Sure. So at that time, is it, am I making the decision for me? Am I making it for my family? And what's the best for us at the time? And for, there's no wrong answer, right? right? But at the same time, like I've been able to articulate um, an experience for myself that allowed me to move through these processes um, to keep driving my own career. Yeah. Now, with that being said, my career has been my number one focus. Right? Okay. Whereas like my parents, we talk, I talk to my dad and my mom about this. Like sometimes they're like, we have a hard time kind of relating to you sometimes because at 32, we've been trying to have kids. We uh, had, we're on our fourth house. We were, you know, working our jobs and our, our goal in life was to have a family and have a home that we were proud of. Right. Not to go out and climb the corporate ladder and build this, build this up. Right. But, you know, I think, I don't know. Are you a parent? Nope. Nope. So like a parent's job is to be able to help facilitate and provide a, opportunities for your child that was better than yours. Right. Ideally, that's what where it all comes from. Even yeah. the overbearing dad on the baseball or the soccer field is doing it because he's, you know, projecting his own uh, insecurities or failures on that kid. Not because he doesn't care for them. He, right. The only way he knows how to care is to help give them what he didn't have. And that was a future in sport or whatever. Yeah. And so um, being able to go through that and have, um, you know, my parents go through that experience and, and uh, watch them and, and watch them go through that life. It's not that it was a bad life. It's just the one that they empowered me a self, a center of confidence that I wanted to go pursue what served my happiness. And at the time I just wasn't willing to, um, you know, go for love for better lack of terms. Um, and I wanted to chase my, my ego. And that was my career because that's what, um, for a long time I've attached my identity to and uh, who I, what my job was, was who I was. And although I feel that way to a certain extent, it's not the end of who I am, but it definitely plays a large role of your character. Uh, I think we'd all be lying to ourselves to not say that it does. But at the same time, like one of my best friends, Bass, you know, he doesn't work for 
you know, have the, the job of his life, right. That he loves and doesn't, he doesn't not like it. He's an engineer, but it's, he doesn't wake up in the morning. Like, Oh man, I get to go do cool shit. Right. But that job serves him because it allows him the lifestyle that him and Shanna want to go do living. You know, they get to go camping and hiking and hunting and fishing every weekend. They're out doing something, build the house of their dreams. And so like, all right, you're willing to sacrifice X because it gives you the Y. Right. And so like my Y was just more career driven. So I think as we wrap this into everything is start looking at things and being less focused around trying to hit certain benchmarks, thinking that's the only marker of success. Right. But looking at it in terms of what serves you and what are you getting out of this experience that can benefit you later. So you have to equally be, excuse me, focused around driving yourself to get better for the long run, playing the long game, but also willing to experience the short game and what's right in front of you because both are super powerful. And so like, if I can reflect back on my Austin time, I can, I can really say like, I did not do a good job integrating into Austin. Right. When I showed up here, I didn't have any money. And it was like, my only social circle was the gym. And then I started working at the gym. Right. So I'm like, I didn't really, and I had a few friends here, but like, I wasn't really going out and I wasn't going out and socializing. So my only social circle was on it. And then it turned into like, okay, well then I started traveling and then I was just gone all the time. Right. So when you're gone, like I traveled, I flew 42 times in 2017 and then 67 times in 2018. Uh, So I'm like, I'm gone so much. People are just used to me not being there. Sure. Right. So then people stop hitting me up as much, which was fine because I was never there. And so, but it's the life I created. And so if I look back on it now, like I can say like, dude, you did not do a good job integrating into Austin and making friends. I mean, I have friends, but I was always thinking I would go to Austin for a couple of years and then go right back to Portland. And so I always had one foot out the door. Right. Um, cause I wanted to go back and hang out with my best friends and, and do that whole thing. Cause I'm watching them like have kids and get married and buy houses. And I'm like, man, I'm missing all that shit, but here I'm out creating my career. And so now this move to Boulder, uh, is one that I'm really trying to focus on integrating into the city and making friends and building relationships. Uh, so that way I'm able to make it, make a better life knowing that like, I may not be there forever, but I'm more open to building a life there than I was in Austin. Like Austin was so much like, uh, build your career, get in, get out, find the next step. And then now it's like, okay, I mean, I appreciate what I did and I'm happy I did it because now I got to transcend myself into a spot that I didn't really think was possible for a lot of years. Um, and now be like, okay, now it's time to reset and look at my life to like find better balance. So, um, getting back into snowboarding, I want to get into cross country skiing, uh, because fitness is now no longer my hobby, right? It's my job, right? So like as much as I love it, it's not the same as just like when I was powerlifting for fun, right? Now it's like, okay, like, yeah, I like to train. I like to get after it. But at the same time, like it's also, I look at it as work sometimes. Like, okay. right. Uh, I got to go shoot a video for Instagram because I haven't posted in three days, right? Or whatever that looks like. And I'm like, oh God, like right now I'm kind of in a lull in it because I just don't want to do it. Because um, I'm like tired of it. Like all I, like, I don't think social media is our end all be all goal by any means. So I don't, I don't hang my hat on my social media following, nor is my net worth based on my following, but it does tell a story as to who you are and it's your digital handshake, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not a brand name in fitness. Like I'm not DeFranco or Exos, right? And I just use jokes. He's right there. Um, But at the same time, like I get to do a lot of things in the front of the room. I get to do some high profile things. So I'm like, look, if I'm going to be in the front of the room, I need to make sure that when you go look me up, cause you don't know who I am. Like you're like, Oh shit. Okay. Like he does like everything that I say I am, like you can see quickly from Instagram right, sure. or the podcast or the website. And so that's all I use it for. Like, I don't care 
if I have X followers because Instagram, I'm not trying to be a fitness influencer in that I want to be known for what I do in the fitness. I want to be known for what I've accomplished in the industry, but I want to be on the leadership side of what's growing the industry as a whole, as opposed to growing like, oh, well, you're known because you came up with this squat variation. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I'll honor what other people have taught me and I like the game of training, but it's not the future that I'm trying to build. Like, I'm trying to build a platform for all of my friends to be successful, right? Whether you're Mike Fitch and Animal Flow to Andrea Spina and FRC to On It with John Wolf and Shane Hines to uh, Jarlo and Ryan with GMB, whatever that is. Like, how can we all hang out together and share this time together as opposed to fighting against each other? And so now being able to be in the tech space where I have leverage and resources to build a platform out and I have a Rolodex that most people would hope to have, right? Like I, I'm a narcissistic asshole when I want to be. Uh, I, I love when someone wants to challenge me, They're like, who the hell do you think you are? And they want to name drop. And I'm like, <laughs> we'll play that game. You're going to lose real quick, right? But like, I, I don't say it to like, so I can one up you. I say it because like, hey, there's a beauty in what I've been able to build. And that's a collaborative network of all these amazing professionals where I don't have to be the guy, right? right? I can just point you in the direction of, hey, this person puts out really great content. Go listen to them. Right. Yep. You want to go look at strength training through the lens of physical therapy. John Russell's the best is what you can get right there. Right. And he's going to educate you and he's going to teach you and you're going to get so much out of it. Right. But if you want to go be more in the aesthetic or the, the hardcore space, like Jim Jones and Bobby Maximus and Lisa Maximus put out a ton of great content or Christian Thibodeau, right? Like it's not about us being the only solitude or the own solitary person. It's about us sharing information for the world to get better. Totally. Because grandma Betty does not care about what her 40 yard dash time is. And Mr. Defensive back could give a shit about making habit-based performance changes. Like you need to eat more vegetables. You need to drink <laughs> more water. Right. They're like, bro, I just need to run a four, three and then go crush some fools on go routes. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, like how can we mend this world together because we're getting more and more displaced. So um, I think that being willing to tie it all back, being willing to experience, but also kind of looking towards, okay, I'm willing to go through this experience because the world clearly thinks I need it, but I want to gather people and gather influence. And I want to take in that information so that way I can make an educated choice for whatever pops up next. Right. I would have never told you 10 years ago when I got into fitness, I bet I'm going to go be a vice president of a fitness tech company that makes an app. Right. Cause that shit didn't exist back then one, but two, it's like being willing to like, okay, take a look and look at the big picture was more valuable for me than trying to be like, all right, you want to go be, and I had this for a long time. You want to go be an executive at Nike or you want at like Wyden Kennedy, which is like the, one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world. And like, they're the ones who did like the Coca-Cola polar bears, the herbal essence orgasm commercials, right? Terry crew and the herbal old spice man, like all those just do it. Like all those big campaigns. Like I wanted to be the guy, and this is super douchey reference. Sorry guys. Uh, for in 10 things I hate about you. Uh, not 10 things I hate about you. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah, it's getting worse. Uh, when Matthew McConaughey is pitching like diamond brokers and beer, like I'm going to be that dude. Like that would have been cool as shit. Like I'm coming up with the strategy and the campaign about what your brand says about you. So now I just get to do it in house. Right. But like, I was always kind of driving towards that, like being that person in the front and like, Hey, this is my strategy. This is what I would do with your company if it was me. Right. And now I just get to do it as an in-house employee. So it's kind of weird to think about what you project or I was talking to Ryan, my producer for my podcast. And I was telling him, I found this, the notebook as I'm packing around my house. I was like, look, here's the initial uh, idea sheet that I wrote down when I talked to John about what my first job at Onnit would be. And it was like, travel around, educate, teach, whatever, bring in big deals. And at the time that was a no, but it ended up being what I did. 
right? Yeah. And Ryan was like, look what, you just put that out in the world. And then it just came true. But not like I was focused on like, I had to get to that point. It just kind of right. became that. So it's okay to have these ideals about what you guys want your career to be here and look what's right in front of you at the same time. And that's hard because it's really easy to get focused on what your goals are right there and forget to look up or you can be too big picture and never look at what's right in front of you. So um, I would encourage you guys to have an idea about what's going on in the long run that maybe you hope, then you're kind of walking towards it, but walk towards it without a straight line, like be willing to narrow, you know, navigate through some trees, but like, Hey, stop and smell a flower for even more shitty metaphors um, (laughs) that you can do. Right. Because sometimes that might lead you down a different path, but that path is better than the one that you were on. doesn't mean that you won't get to your end goal. Right. But it could be the solution that that's the lesson that the world is teaching you. So that way you can become the person you're supposed to be. Absolutely. Uh, So tons of great stuff in here, Sam. So much good stuff. Last question for you. So we're not here for too much more of your day, but how do you actually handle setting up these goals through some sort of daily, monthly, or yearly routine? Do you do anything like that? I wish I could say I did. Uh, I don't have a gratitude practice. I'm trying to install one, um, a meditation practice. I'm slowly starting to develop, but I now knowing like my skill set is being reactive and I'm really good at it and it served me for a long time. Now I look at what happens if I'm that much more organized to where I can kind of control things. So, um, I've been working with uh, Mark England from Procabulary uh, who does like oratory coaching, like speech coaching. And uh, you know, he's been amazing. Like I'm a pretty confident speaker and I can jump up and wing it if I have to Oh, my PowerPoint's fucked up. Cool. Here we go. Right. And I have that personality, but what happens if I was so rehearsed and I was able to really tell a great story where I wasn't getting off on tangents, right? Because I'm a tangent person. I, all of a sudden I'm on this thought and now I'm way over here and then I have to bring it back. Like I can bring it back, but it's like all of a sudden, like what I'm doing right now, it's all over the place. So with being a planner, I could build out this entire speech or presentation and then execute that. And then if I have to read the audience and change, I already have that skill. But if you are actually well-planned, right? Cause I always thought it would take away my authenticity to plan a speech as opposed to just kind of knowing bullet points of what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. But if you jump up there and you have it like just down, yep. right. And then you can react on the fly. That's true mastery. Right. Yep. And so being able to understand that. So now I'm working really hard about trying to be a planner um, and look at, you know, I'm in a, executive role now. So I need to be more strategic, not just for what I feel day to day, but I have to articulate that so a team can execute it as well and be able to, so that way as an organization, because they're not in my head, right? Like I'm in my head, but how do I articulate from what's up here down here? So that way everybody can win from it as opposed to me just navigating. And so, um, you know, being able to uh, install that. So I'm trying to be better about setting routines up and being able to have a gratitude practice. I'm actually working with uh, John Baker. John is the mental skills director for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, And so he was a former 12 year MLB vet. And it's actually how I met Jake Arrieta uh, was through John. And so, um, you know, he's developing a mental skills course because he works with a ton of high level uh, baseball players and and athletes and working on their mental skills uh, Mm -hmm. function. I think the New York times just put in an article yesterday about uh, Notre Dame 
using mental health and mental skills around their athlete's success. I'm like, oh, that's cool to start seeing it get some drive because your emotional state around this much pressure about making this much money or this being this level of an athlete or this performance when all these people are watching, it can fuck with your head a little bit. And so you better have a really strong mental aptitude of mental health. And so helping these kids, because a 19 year old kid, like let's say he tanks, right? And everything in his whole life, he's been the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. You get there and you just eat shit hard. You're not going to know how to deal with that. Especially when everything, all the lights are the brightest. It's one thing when you're me and like, no one cares what happens to you. Right. It's another thing when you're like the future of baseball and all of a sudden you flop and it's like, dude, how do you get out of that hole? Right. right? So really helping these guys really develop mental strength around performance because baseball is a game of failure. Yeah. But the other sports don't need it. So, uh, you know, in his practice right now, he's going to, it starts off and it has meditation practice and a gratitude practice. And, and, uh, so then I've got to work and, and install kind of a planning session and build better systems in my own life. But last year was all about being reactive, right? Like every, I was on a flight at least twice a week for the whole year. So it's like there was, and like, sometimes I'd be in three time zones in a week. So like, there was no routine. It was like, all right, if you got to go at 6am, just go. Right. But there's no like, all right, you're, you went from New York to LA. So you're going to wake up at six. Like, actually that's like three in the morning. Like I wasn't going to wake up and like, meditate right. like i'm gonna sleep those extra three hours yeah. right so um now you know i won't travel as much you know i'll have a home base in boulder uh like even already like i planned out this uh my travel kind of schedule for the year not all the way but the like 90 percent of it's kind of like okay i'm gonna go here on this date here in this state so i can actually install hobbies back into my life personally like oh i'm gonna go skiing this weekend i'm gonna go camping this weekend i'm gonna have friends come and visit this weekend mm-hmm. excuse me as opposed to always being reactive and so i'm like okay it's my goal now as I transcend and I level up and evolve to my next role. Like I also have to assume like, okay, I can't do the next evolution of myself as I am. It doesn't mean I'm not worthy of being there, but now I need to grab a whole new set of skills and then be prepared to lead as opposed to just be the bull in the in the room and just charge forward. Right. It's a little bit different mindset uh, as to where you're at. And it doesn't mean that you can't do those things no matter where you're at in your career, but you do need to have an honest conversation around where are you and what do you want? Right. So if you're the guy, if you're the gym attendant cleaning the gym every day, nothing wrong with that by any means. Like it shows a lot of people want to work it on it, but if you're not willing to come and, you know, wipe some sweat off the floor, like I can't help you. Right. But these kids, Ryan and Ryan both work their ass off to be really hard workers and have great attitudes. And it's like, that's going to transcend into the next step. Like, okay, ride that out for a little bit, whatever that might look like. And then move into this step and then move into this step. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh wow. I didn't think I wanted to be in, I wanted to be a trainer, but maybe I am now, or maybe I wanted to be in graphic design, but this was just my end on it. Right. And that's the power that on it has is it's a lifestyle company that so many people attach all this amazing value to it. And it's an amazing company. I'd be lying if it wasn't, but uh, it allows people to really level themselves up through whatever way that is, whether it's through training or meditation or through supplements or foods. And so that big lesson, they call that all that time I spent with on it was a lot of self-reflective time. And so I went through, you know, a big like personal development, moving away, being unhappy, kind of finding myself in the work a bunch, but kind of being unhappy, not in the same level as I was. Uh, but then all of a sudden, like finding myself, I'm like, oh, okay, this next step is here right? Getting to go to true coach and step into this realm was like, it's a big deal for me, right? Like it was really cool to say like, okay, I went from like this realm and on it, like I was at the super sexy company, had all this freedom to like now getting recruited, right? Having someone approach me like, Hey man, you're our guy. Like we really want you. And I was like, that felt really good. Right. And so now it's like, Oh, now, but now you have the pressure of like, Oh, I got to live up to it. Right. 
Like I'm far from, you know, Jake Arrieta following up a Cy Young award year, but like at the same time, like I do want to live up to what I can do right for this company, because you're willing to bet on me and I'm always willing to bet on me. So how can we help this together? How can we grow together? How does my strategy help the organization and how can the organization help me? And so that way we can all win together. And our goal is to help level up the coach, right? And so I want to help the coaches elevate and be able to understand how can they grow? Because I understand that I have a job that a lot of people would love to be able to be into, right? And I think that's why my story is powerful is because it's not like I just came from like, oh, I got an exercise science degree and I interned at Exos and now I've got this job and now I'm like, of course I'm here. Like start your job selling memberships, 24 hour fitness, right? And then grow into this, like not to be a cocky dick, but to be a cocky dick, yeah. right? Like go do it. Like, and it's like, sure. I offset, like I didn't date that much. Like it was all about how much can I drive my career forward? And now it's like, we're here. So look at the, look at what's in front of you. Also look at the big picture. And I would say really just go out looking to gain experience, right? Mm -hmm. Meet new people, gain new experiences, learn new skills. And I think that the doors will open. And I think there's more than one door. Everybody always talks about one door to go into. I think there's like a whole row of doors. It just depends on what door you choose to go down. Yeah. Right? You're walking along. Okay. I'll go in this one. Oh man, that might suck for a little bit, but it might get you to a certain spot. But at the same time, you know, being able to, you know, grab attention of other people and help all these other people, you know, shape perspective. Perspective only comes at a cost, time, energy, money, and pain, right? John Wolf dropped that on me in a meeting one day. And I was like, holy shit, that is nothing more true than that. Because <laughs> the only way we gain new perspective is to going through those things is some sort of pain, right? Heartbreak, going broke, being strung out, um, you know, going through this, like maybe it was just time. You were just in a bad relationship for a long time, whatever that is. Like you have to go through those experiences to change your perspective around the world. Like sure. who you were at 21 is not who you are now. You might be 21. I have no idea how old you are. Um, right. But that's part of the, the beauty of you. If you can look back on it now is like, wow, who I was at 21 to who I am now. Like I totally understand the, uh, the parenting thing where it's like, oh, like you have so much to learn yet right? Because you already know the answer for them, right? right? Like my parents, when I, when I went through that little getting, uh, when I quit recruiting, it was like in February and John and I decided I was going to come work it on it in February. So I thought, okay, March, we're going to start rolling, but he still had to get approval from on it to hire me and everything else. So I didn't start working till May. Wow. And so I had like a three month window of like being unemployed with no money really coming in and not really enough to really sustain well, thankfully my parents came down in the middle of that to visit for the first time. And my dad and I talked about it this last time during Thanksgiving. Cause they come down every year for Thanksgiving to see me. And he was like, dude, you were in such a dark space. Like you just negative and like just angry. Cause I just moved. Right. And I was like, fuck, nothing's going my way. Like sure on, it's going to happen, but maybe you may not. Right. Not yeah. just for a couple months. And he's like, I wanted to get, my dad was like, I wanted to give you the answers and just tell you that it was going to be, it's going to be cool. Like, it's fine. You have to go through this to like, um, get to where you're going to be. But he's like, I couldn't tell you the answer because you had to go through it. Sure. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting now, like to look at all these things. Like, so for me now, as I look at this retrospectively around my life, like just go out and gain experiences. Right. So you look at some people like right now, the millennial wants to travel the world and they don't want to work for the man. Well, you know what, if that's what they need right now, and maybe they come back to it. And who says that they're the ones that have to climb the ladder like I've been trying to do, or maybe it's the kid that gets the great job out of school right? But then suffers from, you know, whatever mental ailment or alcoholism or something where they had to learn that perspective because things went too well, right? Right. Front end, right? So at some point, everybody's going to fail, right? And some, at some time, everybody's going to go through some big old haymaker on the chin, yeah. right? The difference is, do you have people to help support you? 
right? right? You can be the most productive motherfucker in the world, but at some point in time, you will always need help from someone, right? Networking isn't about how many people you know. It's about how often your name comes up in other people's conversations. You want to be so good that everybody else is talking about you and you get the call like, Sam, I've heard your name nine times in the last three days from different people. Like we just got to talk. Cool. I want those conversations all freaking day. Right. But it allows you to like, oh man, because now your networking goes tenfold, right? Sure. I have a big circle around me right now. So when I do fall on my face, I have people to help me out. Right. But then it's like, oh, you want that to go to the next level? Like you want other people talking about you. Right. So start looking like if you know right now that you can't do it all, you might be an amazing content marketer, fitness mind, amazing work ethic, but oh, you need an end to men's health shit. You've built this persona about being a dick and how you don't need anybody else. Well, now I'm not going to go introduce you to men's health. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like at some point in time, everybody needs the help from someone else, right? No matter what level it is. So tell you what, I'd rather just be the guy with the most friends, right? Yeah. Being the most popular kid in school has its, has its, you know, and not because I'm the most, because I have X career, but being the most popular kid, I've got the most experiences to share with others, right? Shared experiences are the way that we start bonding with other people. Heck yeah. Right? And so if we can start installing that quicker for people to like, oh, how can I go have an experience with that person? That's why we love food, right? Sharing a meal with someone that's so big in like Europe, right? Is to share a meal with someone. It's a big deal, right? Yeah. We do it all the time. We take it for granted, but like maybe that's in a way for you to go connect. Or maybe it's through like, I use training someone as a way for me to connect with them, right? Yeah. Like, let me train you, right? And I've got a cool story, like why you should let me train you, right? I like, train all these people. Um, and so it's like a great, that's how I choose to connect, right? And then if we go and hang out and eat, but like take for instance, like when I show up in LA, I'll tell people I'm coming to LA for this set of date, but I won't set plans except for like maybe one or two that I have to. Yeah. But then like, let's say I've got this plan and, and, uh, and I've got to be at um, Exos all day. Uh, hanging out. And maybe all of a sudden I'm yucking it up with the guys and we're hanging out. We're having a good time. It's like, Hey, let's go grab dinner. Right. And I was able to take that experience and like, okay, let's just go on and go keep, keep uh, expanding on this experience other than, or I could be like, Oh, I've got dinner plans. I got to cut it off. And maybe we're in a great rhythm. Right. right? Uh, And so then we lose that momentum that could have really taken our relationship to the next level. You know what I mean? And so like, even for instance, like most people talk about, and this isn't the good thing to do by any means, like social media, like you shouldn't sit on your phone all night right? Because it like stimulates your eyes. You don't go to sleep. And I sleep like shit for the record. Uh, but like if I stop, sometimes like I've had such amazing conversations with someone random at like 11 PM on a Tuesday. Cause we just happen to start bantering on Instagram back and forth. And now I met this person that like, we have a great relationship now because we spent that time talking. But if I would have not done it because I, you know, I'm always willing to sacrifice short term for long-term gains. Right. Like, right. I'll go through and like, oh, sure, I'll be a little tired tomorrow. But like all of a sudden I made a new friend and I may not need that person ever. Like you and I may never do business together financially ever. Right. But there may come a point in time where you're like, hey, Sam, you should meet this person. And all of a sudden him and I do this big deal, yeah. right? But that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have a good relationship. So um, yeah, in a long story short, right? Like um, what's being reactive has allowed me to be super successful. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think that really all stems down to because the, what's my why and the why is to go out and have experiences with other people and share time with others. And how do I listen well enough? So that way I can provide opportunities to them because I want to be the guy like, Oh, you don't know, Joe. Oh, you got to hear, come talk to him. Right. And so I have that unique power and it's not because I am a name dropper uh, is how to come across if you don't know me, but it's like, no, I want to be a solutions provider. Like, Oh, you have X skill and you have X need. Well, this person over here, Joey B does that. So you should meet Joey. 
right? For no other reason than like, I don't know if something's going to happen, but it might, right? And all of a sudden the world gets smaller because how much do you want to help me out if I bring you the person that launches your business to the next level? You're like, holy shit, Sam, just like, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So shared experiences, being a good person, being able to willing to go through some experiences, knowing that it may not be the long run, but it could shape your perspective and takes you to the next step to where you can be more successful in the next phase of your career. Because as I thought like on it was going to be my last step before I went private and I just did my own thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where fitness break room was my own thing. And now it's like stepping into this organization. I'm like, wow, maybe I've got a couple more. Maybe I got two more evolutions before I step into my own thing. Maybe who knows, but I'm more open to it now because I see what I was able to build through telling the story. Like, when I fly and, and I put like what flight number it is and you know, where I'm going and I don't give a shit about people like, Oh, that's so cool. You're traveling the world, but it's like, it just tells a story, right? People all of a sudden they're like, Oh man, this dude travels a fuck ton. This guy's all over the place. Right. And all of a sudden now it's like when someone introduces you, Mike Robertson's like, this guy travels more than anybody ever met. And he's got the biggest network in fitness. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, thanks Mike. Cause Mike's, you know, super well-respected. I really enjoyed what Mike does. And it's like, man, to have someone like that, like praise you for how hard you work when that's all you really have was huge. Right. And so, but going through it, it's like, man, how, like, just be willing to go connect with other people and share that time with them because who knows what's going to happen after that. Maybe something amazing, but maybe it's four or five steps down the road. We keep wanting this instant gratification where all of a sudden me being on Joe's podcast is going to launch me into the rock status. And I'm like, no, but it might all of a sudden, maybe two years from now, someone's like, dude, I heard that podcast you were on with Joe. And all of a sudden, like I do this and you should do this. Right. So it's frustrating, like getting a podcast up and going, it's a lot of fucking work. Right. And so it's like, if you want to get caught up in the numbers when you're early on and you hear Joe Rogan getting a million downloads an hour, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's so far away from me. Right. But you gotta kind of, you gotta stay true. Yeah. But at the same time, like, well, maybe the podcast isn't the future for you, but maybe it teaches you a skill set that moves you into a different realm. Right. So you got to then understand like, all right, at what point in time do I pull the plug on this to go jump to this next step at some point, maybe it never happens. Yep. But being willing to like open your eyes and say like, okay, I learned a shitload of skills doing this. It may not have turned into what I thought it was going to be, right? But it got me to the next step that is going to have more leverage than I would have ever had by myself, right? Totally. So whatever that looks like for you. So look at your careers that way. Like that's, I think the real beauty of why I've been able to be successful is it's not like I'm trying to use you. It's not that I'm trying to, I want anything else out of other a relationship other than being a good relationship, mm-hmm. but understanding like, hey, Look, by us just being good people together, maybe we learn something from each other. Who knows what happens down the long run? Now, at the same time, that can be hard depending on where you're at in your career as an entrepreneur to like invest all this time in the long run because you got to make money, Yep. right? And that's why it's so important to like stop if your trainer is like going out and trying to just um, like you think that building your Instagram following is going to make or break your like in-person training. I'm like, dude, Instagram wasn't around when I was a trainer. Like as a, as a brand new coach, like it was just kind of coming around. I didn't jump on until late. Yeah. And I had this freaking girl, Michaela was my friend's girlfriend, whoever she was. And uh, she was like, you should get on Instagram. And this is like 2013, 14. And like it'd been up for three or four years. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, whatever. Like I thought Facebook was the solution. Right. Sure. But we all thought MySpace was a solution too, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. How many people are on MySpace? <laughs> right. It's pretty much, it's still around, but it's not the same thing. Right. So Instagram might be dead too. Right. So Instagram is great. It's your digital handshake. It can be awesome. Yep. But what happens when Instagram goes away? You got nothing because you built your business on something that's not yours. Sure. Right. But what you can build it on is trust and being a good person. Right. Yep. And going out and getting it done. So when you start looking at your business, 
right? Maybe getting clients isn't about you going out and having a big Instagram following because if you're a local trainer at a gym in Iowa, right? You need to, you need people to find you within a five mile square, like radius of you. Like me, me finding you in Austin from you're in Iowa does you no good, right? Like I ain't going to come to Iowa to train with you. I don't care how good you are. Like, why would I come there? You know what I mean? So you having a global reach doesn't really matter. You need people within your sphere of influence. Now, if it blows up beyond that, that's great, right? But there's a lot of people with big Instagram followings that make zero money from it, right? And how do you transcend out of being just that little, oh, I post about this oil that I have and my tummy wrap or whatever, tummy, whatever fucking tea. And to like, oh, maybe now stepping into, oh, you know what I was doing? It was, I was actually building a brand and building a litmus test for how the market reacts. So now I can go step in and teach others how to do this. And now I don't have to be the person posting all the time. Maybe I pay someone else just to, I'll still have mine. I post and do my thing, but maybe I'm teaching others how to transcend that to grow. Right. right. Or maybe it's helping someone else start a podcast. Like, sure. Maybe you're, you weren't here. Maybe you help someone else though, who already has that storyline. Yeah. Right. So we have to look at like what, you know, it, it, you can, like it used to be where on the newspaper or when you watched a sporting event, right. And I didn't like the play. I just yelled at the TV, <laughs> but now you can tweet it, blog it, Instagram it, Facebook it. And all of a sudden you can build a following on no other reason other than people like your opinion. Yeah. Right. Whereas before, like you kind of had to be, oh, you're a New York Times writer. Okay, so you have perfect validity to call Bryce Harper an idiot or whatever it is, right? Because you're, you can, doesn't mean it's right, but you couldn't get that kind of following if you were just Joe Schmo in Iowa, right? But now you can essentially. So everybody kind of expects these things to happen, but like, look, look beyond what that is and look what it does for you in the long run, right? You got to get, you got to get your day-to-day stuff on lock. You got to go out and get clients. You got to eat. You got to be able to, you know, have that. But then from there, start looking at like, okay, what do I really want to do with this? Do I want to open a gym? And if so, why? And am I willing? Because if my goals don't line up with my desires, right? If I want to end up, if I want to travel the world, buying a gym is not the way to do it. Sure. Right. Or if you're like, oh, I really like, I'm tired of like bouncing around to different studios and training into a bunch of different people. Like I want my own space to call my own because you want the lifestyle piece of like walking to work and making your own schedule. Like understand that that's the game that you're playing. Yeah. So people need to think, need to really come into terms that goes back to like gratitude and journaling of like, what do you really want out of your career? And it's okay not to know. It's like going to college. I don't expect everybody to know what they want out of college, but like go out and gain some experience, find out what you like. What are things that you like? What are things that you don't like? Who are, what type of people do you like to be around? What type of people do you not like to be around? And then go from there. So long story short, right. But that's how I look at it in terms of why I've been able to be as successful as I have been. I think it's fantastic. I think I'm going to have to re-listen to this and take notes because I can't take notes as I'm sitting here talking to you. So, um, but I think it's awesome. Do you have like a, an email newsletter or anything that you like bring wisdom to people on a regular basis with? Uh, just my podcast, which I got to get up and going again. Okay. Um, and so that's just the fitness break room podcast. Um, I don't have a newsletter. Uh, once again, that's like, it's too much. That was a lot of structure for me. Like I'm trying to like get something going at true coach. And thankfully Robbie, my counterpart is very organized and very tactically driven. Like all I got to do is get him the content so he can roll it out. Um, but like, yes, I need to have more deliverables around, um, these kind of talks. Yeah. I'm on a fair amount of podcasts, but like they don't have the same as like, if people wanted to just subscribe. Sure. So to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't have one. I would like to get something going. Uh, Instagram and, and the podcast are the two easiest ways to kind of follow along with what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I'll post things from training to uh, insightful shit I'm doing to my thoughts. Uh, but I'm not big on Twitter. 
I'm not big on because I, I don't really have enough things to say to always be on Twitter. Like well, that's revolutionary. Occasionally, I'll thought, yeah. and like yeah. unless you're like a celebrity, like no one really gives a shit at what you're saying, right? That really has any clout other than yeah. like you know. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll post fitness videos on Instagram so people understand where my mindset is and maybe just some options around like it doesn't need to always be X, Y, and Z, but it could be A, B, C, D, E, F before it's X, Y, Z. Um, so sometimes it's sports performance driven. Sometimes it's like movement driven. Sometimes it's recovery driven. Sometimes it's strength driven. Right. And so like, I don't really have a play. Like you're not coming to me because you think that I'm going to be the end all be all around training. Right. Which from a, if I was coaching someone, like if I was coaching myself on Instagram, I'm like, that's not the way to build a following. Like you need to build up a clear value proposition as to why people should follow you. But my value proposition, I want to make on the bigger scale, like doing these kind of things. Sure. And so um, I only post so when someone checks me out real quick, like, oh shit, he's a good mover or he's strong or like he has intelligent things to say or he does cool shit, right? That's all I give a shit about what it is uh, for. But yeah, Instagram and, and the podcast are, are the two best places uh, to kind of follow along um, with what I'm doing. And then I do a uh, Instagram live on True Coach's platform on truecoach.co uh, with a different influencer each week. I just had one with John Russin and Donnie Mabe, the Olympic performance director at Texas. I've got Mark Fisher coming up, I think, this week. Mike Bledsoe. Um, let's see. I think a few other, like, coming after that. So, um, and that's, that'll talk everything from, like, uh, John, we talked everything from online training to hypertrophy to strength to rehab to pain-free performance uh, and just have these great chats. So you can kind of get a little bit of what I'm doing in this capacity uh, mm -hmm. if you come and follow along on that platform as well. Cool. And where are those platforms? How do you get there? Uh, so true coach. So T R U E C O A C H dot C O true coach at true coach. Um, and then that's the same for our website. If you want to follow along or check it out. Uh, and then fitness break room is the Instagram or fitness Or you can just go over to S Pogue S P O G U E eight, six first initial last name year of birth. Uh, and then you'll find me pretty quick. But if you type Sam Pogue in, you'll probably find me kind of going pretty quickly yeah. anyway. I did. I just typed in Sam Pogue and you were everywhere. So yeah, perfect. Perfect. Not a whole lot of stocky South Park shaped Asian dudes running around the fitness industry. So it's pretty easy to stand out. Cool. Well, Sam, I really enjoyed this. This has been some knowledge bombs for us. So I really appreciate your time. And uh, if there's ever anything that I can do to help you out in the future, man, let me know. And maybe we'll do another episode sometime where we deep dive into one of these specific topics around things that you're working on. So sounds great, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Cool. I'll talk to you soon. See you, man. That was my interview with Sam Pogue of True Coach. I hope that you enjoyed it. I know I did. It's always so much fun to get to talk with people of Sam's caliber that are just, they've done so much. They're so smart. And we have so much to learn from them. So if you'd like to check out what Sam's doing, head over to truecoach.co or you can follow Sam at spogue 86 on Instagram. He's always posting a lot of cool stuff as it relates to movements and trying to teach people as much as he can. So I highly recommend that you check him out. All right, guys, please make sure <clears throat> to subscribe and or review the podcast. I just recently found out that if I get more subscribers, that's actually what's driving getting more people to uh, help me rank higher on iTunes. So if you head over to allaroundjoe.com slash iTunes, hit the subscribe button. It will be a super win for me. It's totally free. I always forget to mention that. It's totally free for you. Free stuff. Cool, right? And it will be in your inbox or in your iTunes every Thursday morning. So I hope you enjoyed that. 
podcast with Sam Pogue. All the show notes are at allaroundjoe.com slash 179. That was allaroundjoe.com slash 179. All right. All Around Joe podcast. We optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all around self-improvement junkie. I'll see you on the next one.